Hello and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.FM or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about the fifth album from Oakland's own Tune Yards called Sketchy and it starts out with a song called Nowhere, Man. as I said, are from right here in Oakland, or right here in the Bay Area. They're from Oakland. They're a collaboration between Meryl Garbus, who's the vocalist and main songwriter, and her husband, Nate Brenner, who plays bass and I'm sure contributes a lot of ideas. And the first time I heard of them was when the album Who Kill came out, which was, I see, 10 years ago, which seems hard to believe, but that was a great album. And they've pulled back a little bit in recent years with some concerns about Meryl Garbus has talked in interviews about how she was a little bit concerned about cultural appropriation and her music. And she had studied in Kenya and traveled a lot around in Africa, learning about different musical styles there and obviously brings a lot to that of that to her music. And the last album was, I think, a little bit dour and a little down. And I think she's let go of a little bit of that guilt and has returned to the joyful sound that I have always really loved about Tune Yards. Yeah, this is such an energetic album. And I think, you know, it's interesting the comment about the concerns about appropriation, because I guess since that last album, they also did the soundtrack to Sorry to Bother You, obviously very intense movie touching on those kinds of themes and so it's it's kind of awesome that boots riley was just like no i trust you to be the person to make this music and yeah awesome movie i don't remember the music that much but (laughs) this album yeah i think it's really a nice return and you do get the sense that they're kind of redefining themselves through just the silliness of they've always had a strangely capitalized name of the band and suddenly now they don't and going along with that all of the songs are lowercase in the track list because that's a thing. And it's such a weird kind of statement. And I, I don't know that it means anything, but it even extends to this song title because it has that comma in it. And it's not yeah. the Beatles no, song. It's nowhere comma, man. Exactly. And so it's a song that is you know about claiming power in the face of patriarchy and saying no Beatles we can take your title add a comma to it now it's something else we can you know take some lyrics from other songs and sing them totally differently and yeah that the the song just ends with this sort of repeated adapt 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 kind of driving home like yeah we're gonna both adapt 
music and even adapt their own music. That refrain is actually sampled from an unreleased song that people want to hear you sing, which is really, I think that's crazy and awesome. And that, you know, also they, they are adapting music. They're also adapting to the world. And also it's very much addressed to someone like you better adapt or there will be a revolution. So a real fun party song to start the album. So the next track we'll play is called Make It Right. pairing with the first track where in the first track there's very much kind of the exhortation to someone else to like hey shape up because there's going to be a revolution and at least this song with the lyrics like you know revolution for all and top down doesn't cut it and this way the, the chorus opens where you hear you know in my voice you can hear what i owe it's a debt from a long time ago and you know, I hear this as someone who is acknowledging her own privilege and recognizing that gives her the responsibility to be part of the solution. And she can't, it can't just be someone else's job. And so the make, the make it right, which has a period on it is really this statement. It's a command and it's a command to herself as well as to all of our listeners. Yeah. These first two songs are such a one, two punch. And what I have always loved about tune yards is the, the looping vocals and these polyrhythms that just, you you know the more you listen to it the more you hear all of the layers and i just it, it's so joyful but also so complicated and every time i hear the beat like i i'm never expecting where the beat's going to go and that's certainly the case in this song and one of the things that i have to point out about this record is that i never really noticed the bass playing that much um the horns and the Percussion are kind of what I think of as the more foregrounded instruments. But after doing the research for this podcast and recognizing that her collaborator is the bassist, I've paid a lot more attention to the bass. And it does add so much to each of these songs. Yeah, there's this really, you know, this super funky bass that's just in one ear. So it's a little off kilter. And it kind of comes in halfway through that first verse. And these verses are so rhythmically dense and almost off-putting except i think having that really clear baseline in there helps us keep on board for then these choruses that are super poppy and have the soaring horns and her voice really shines here and i i think 
you know, sometimes this is such a produced band that we forget what an amazing voice she has, Meryl Garbus. So the next song we'll play is called Hypnotized. Silent as a citizen City streets of ghosts and paths this song coming after those two fairly intense pretty explicitly political tracks is this one that's a lot more kind of this magical realism where you know it starts off with all of these like cows in trees and then cows in pigs imagery and then this city that's empty and filled with ghosts and any politics is at most implied and instead it's all about her voice summoning us in with this look into my eyes look into my eyes and it really casts a spell it's really a cool track yeah, the synth wash that's over this whole song gives it a really different feel from the other tracks. It's almost kind of like a a melodic drone. It's really pretty. And it's it's not something that I remember them using before this much synth. There's always kind of synth pianos and a, a lot of different effects, but I really like that. And I also like the way that the different sections of the song fit together. I would think they would seem a little disjointed if I heard them in isolation, but the way that they flow together is really, you can tell that this is the work of somebody who's an expert songwriter. Yeah, because this is this particular verse that we heard is a little more stripped down and it's very this blasted out, very synthetic sounding bass and the drums that are kind of this almost like a weird shaker kind of instrument uh, of percussion and the synth building up and it's that synth building up that does the good job of pulling us into the chorus where suddenly this fairly restrained percussion becomes blasted cymbals and it's so jangly and energetic and it's such a nice i think contrast with her really pretty powerful vocals so the next song we'll play is called Silence Part 1, parentheses, When We Say We. Not in my lifetime, I know, I know, not in my lifetime. Silence. Not in my lifetime, I know, I know, I know, not in my lifetime. There's a secret that I keep when you think that I am weak. I am one drop in the ocean. Of many fingers, my 
noting that this Silence Part 1 is followed by another track titled Silence Part 2, Who Is We?, which is really just a minute of silence. And her explanation about this in an interview was, you know, quoting her, my personal experience has been that it takes practice to sit with horrific truths. Maybe putting it in the album felt like a practice. The music's making us move and dance, and then we sit with discomfort or whatever we're feeling, and then we'll move again. Yeah, it's, I think, a bold move. It is right at the heart of the album because I think that Silence Part 2 is the sixth of 11 and we fortunately go into it with silence part one which is a very powerful kind of anthemic call to convert your pain and your sadness into power and it's really thrilling and the kind of slow moving but inexorable travel time travel time chorus and it's it's almost like this march and then it deconstructs into this almost this very kind of avant-garde, you know, one, two, three, four with these looped and multi-layered vocals. And it is out of left field. It somehow works, but it does, yeah, it does leave me at least a little on edge coming out of this. I feel like this harkens back to earlier Tune Yard's work that felt more Bjork influenced with these vocal samples that are used as instrumentation and they're very weird and disorienting but that's what i love about tune yards and so it was nice to have that back yeah i I like that bit from a recent interview where she she was asked what is the most the first music you remember buying and she said oh yeah it was a bjork single so (laughs) she also noted that she and nate brenner took vocal lessons during i I don't know if it was during the pandemic but after the last album came out and so you can tell that she's stretching her voice and pushing it a bit more on this record too and in particular in this song yeah this is yeah yeah a powerful way to leave us uncomfortable for these next minute but then we get to hear what is probably the breakout you know crowd pleaser track on the album it's called hold yourself
criticism of this album. It's that the lyrics are often so opaque that they could be interpreted in a lot of ways, but I feel like she they are often trying to communicate something specific. And this is a song that you could read as being about climate change, about the lies your parents told you, about the loneliness of being an adult. And there's obviously a really... Like there's something that she's trying to communicate that I think doesn't quite get across because of the lack of specificity in the lyrics. Yeah, I, I, I get the critique. And yet to me, I think it's not sweating the details, but just getting to the basic thing of like the world is crazy. And yeah, some percentage of that is the mojo that your parents put on you. And and I think this you know, sort of it's weird to call this a crowd pleaser because musically it's so catchy and really rousing. And yet I think this heart of the song to me is pretty clearly saying, child, I will not have you. And part of it is if I did, I would just mess you up. Like my parents messed me up and it's really a bummer. And yet in the end, the song is about hope of like, yeah, you do what you can do better, you know, do better with the world than your parents did and, you know, be brave enough to turn the page. It's really, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that the details are a little fuzzy. I think that fundamental message, even if it is bittersweet, even melancholy and that melancholy reflected in that pre-chorus that adopts this really kind of odd mode of very, it's minor sounding, but very exotic sounding. And I can't quite place it. Uh, and then resolves into this chorus that is super heroic and with the blaring horns. And leave aside then that this at the end of the song, there is this kind of almost free jazz horns, very chaotic, that is puts a, a different shading on it for sure. But the song is just a triumph. Yeah, though, there's a lot of, I don't want to say emotional manipulation, but manipulating the feeling of the songs throughout this record where there's a lot of polyrhythms that are going on throughout the verses and then they all kind of coalesce in one rhythm for the chorus and it's so satisfying to listen to and I think that it's really the case on this song for sure. Yeah, that, that, I mean, in the bridge especially where it becomes this very regular rhythm of the lyrics but then as she's saying that we all have doubts we all have rage and then there's these kind of multiple vocals being tracked and layered and it ha and because of that really regular rhythm it almost gets this kind of Gregorian chant mm -hmm. slash baroque fugue feel it's very elaborate and again it shouldn't work and yet the song i, I described as a triumph it's so catchy it's so powerful you can embrace the power and the positivity and the sadness all in, in one package. It's remarkable. So this song actually bleeds right in if you're listening to the next track that we'll play, which is called Sometime. So take care of yourself. Time will tell it all in a picture book you read to someone else's kids. So soothing the pages turn the concrete Swim, swim freely home. Forgive yourself, forgive yourself. 
favorite track on the record because it's so ambitious and it's so uh, complicated that it almost seems like it shouldn't work. But I, I just really love the rhythms of it and the way that she changes up the rhythm with her voice and with these backing vocals. And there are so many layers that every time I listen to it, I hear something new. Yeah, I think it's a really good pairing with Hold Yourself. You talk about how it kind of the song fades into it. And I think that we get, I talked about the kind of anarchic free jazz horns in that track. And then I think this song goes in that, keeps going in that direction. And then thematically, it's also about like, yeah, I'm despairing and I'm finding it really tough to be hopeful about the future. But sometimes you just got to cut yourself slack and let yourself believe that there is a future and that there's a point to reading a bedtime story to not your own kids, but your friend's kids. And yeah, it's, it's a, an odd unsettling, but also yeah. Hopeful and meditation think, on that. <laughs> I think this also lyrically kind of gets at the heart of the themes of the record, which is like this, the verse, the first verse starts out with, when they say our world is destroyed, sometimes I nod and say I know. Other times I breathe in, breathe out, shake my head, no, no, no. Because Easter eggs reveal themselves from beneath the melted snow, birth and rebirth at once, hidden below. And it's like this idea that, yeah, it kind of seems like we're at the end of human existence. Like humans are going to be extinct pretty soon. And that's what all the signs point to. But at the same time, it's human to want to hope for something more. And like maybe there are secrets that maybe there's more that will be revealed that we don't know about. And and you can take that as a way to be hopeful. And I think this song really gets at the duality of like being a human at this time. Yeah. And it is that fundamentally yeah, that message of at a certain point, you do have to take it easy on yourself. Give your give yourself a chance to breathe. Forgive yourself for your trespasses and just keep, you know, try. And again, I think I mentioned on some of the other tracks. Like, yeah, just try and do better with the world than the previous generation did. And that's all you can do. And I obviously have, feel a connection. I know this is artist. I think she's in her 40s and clearly, you know, you know, made the decision not to have kids and is probably going to have to st- stop answering questions about it at some point from the family and and is has seen a lot of the world has done this music but i think has also dabbled in all sorts i think she was a puppeteer for a yeah. while like just really broad interest super politically engaged yeah an adult and this is a perspective of someone who's really lived and it it hits hard and it's such a joyful song like it's the chorus is so uplifting and it's with that kind of rhythmic chanting that's almost an incantation of like uh bringing yourself back to just the music and the rhythms and like living in the moment yeah it is the the rhythm is so dense but still kind of danceable yeah it's a dance track and it yeah i, I love this sort of com- juxtaposition of theme and sound and just got it get up and dance vibe so the next song we'll play is called under your lip I'm just looking for something to make me mad Nothing personal, just sick of being sad I don't want to know your vision And I don't want to hear opinions I want a quiet, quiet, quiet lets me hear 
is another track that takes us on such a musical journey where we have this, you know, I, I think I talked about on the song Hold Yourself where there was this pre-chorus that had, was in this very exotic mode. And this has starts with this instrumental that sounds like it's from another planet. Like it's clearly a melody. It doesn't make sense as a human and yet it completely works. And I think it's, it's the statement of confidence. Like I can do something crazy and make it work is what this says to me. And it's totally appropriate in a song where a vocally, it's all about, you know what? I have got things figured out. I don't need to hear your opinion. Zip it. And that message is delivered in this chorus that has these horns and this swagger it feels like it could have come out of paisley park like it's such a fun track about shut up yeah it's so funky and it's got that great melody that you just can kind of sing along to the chorus yeah it, it is i think a testament to this album where so many really kind of tough ideas and i'll say yeah that this song later in its track really goes from this first verse, which is about like, yeah, I'm tired of feeling sad. I want to feel mad about something and take action. And it really gets into like, yeah, I'm also kind of afraid of getting my ass kicked. Like the world is really scary, but I don't need you to tell me about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the world is, is is sad and scary and makes us all pissed off if we're paying attention. And we, we already know that like it's time it, there, it's, you know, it's called action in a way that's really inspiring. I feel like one of the things I've read about this album is that, or a criticism, is that it's not as ambitious as it could have been musically because Meryl Garvis and Nate Brenner are so sophisticated in their command of these rhythms and these this layering of different, you know, different styles and different musical bits. But I actually think by being overly ambitious, I think in some of their past work, it has made it to tough to connect with and I feel like they've done an incredible job here of making songs that are complex and interesting while also being things that you can dance to and that you want to listen to again and again and are uplifting yeah there is enough complexity here that I think it took me a bunch of listens to get I think a lot out of these songs and I'm sure that there's more waiting for me if I do more listening and it's I do feel like yeah there's an album I could come back to and let it you know find new delights it's just these are impressive artists so in command of their craft and part of being an amazing artist is knowing when to back off and like you know i don't have to use every bit of my musical genius here i can aim for pop accessibility Mm -hmm. obviously it's a really weird flavor of pop accessibility but like so many of these songs have these great hooks and are danceable and sing-alongable and I think when you're dealing with such serious stuff, you need to do that. Like, that's really impressive. Yeah. So one of my favorite tracks on the record is actually the last one, which we'll go out with. And it's called Be Not Afraid. And you've been listening to us discuss the album Sketchy by Tune Yards. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. Tell me what you
This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.